Hi everybody, welcome to Your Quality of Life Healthy Alternatives. I'm Dr. Christine Sauer and I'm very excited today to be with Ricky Goodall. Goodall. Ricky Goodall, big dreamer and thought leader. Welcome, Ricky. Mm, thank you, Dr. Christine. I appreciate being here. And you can just call me Christine. My friends do that all the time. Sure. So, Ricky, tell me a little bit about yourself. Where did you get born and what's your story? How did you end up being here in Halifax and doing what you do? Yeah, thank you. Uh, so I was born in Dartmouth and grew up in Dartmouth until I was around eight years old and then moved to Pictou County, just in New Glasgow area, just uh, outside of Truro. And I'm really, I would say that I'm really passionate about helping people find freedom in their lives, whether it's emotional freedom, spiritual freedom, mental, mental freedom, uh, physical freedom. And uh, I had, a, I had a, what I call a highly stimulating childhood. Some people use the word traumas or adverse childhood conditions. I like to say highly stimulating. Can you tell a us a little bit about it? Yeah, so I mean, uh, my parents are amazing people, uh, but they struggled a lot in their childhood. They were both sexually abused when they were kids and had gone through a lot of traumas, addiction, alcoholism in their family. So when I was when I was born, it was me and my brother. My parents were biker, hippie, drug dealers that uh, nothing really serious, but you know, sold a lot of cannabis and were in a lot of in and out of a lot of trouble. And by the time I was eight years old, we had to move away out of the city we were in because they just had too much chaos going on, too much conflict, and then moved to a small town called Trenton, just outside of New Glasgow. And things were good in my family for a little while. And within a year, my father started drinking again. They started fighting and my parents split up. And I went to foster care shortly after. So from the time I was about 10 years old until I was 17, I lived with my father and, and uh, things were crazy at home, very chaotic. Uh, I was allowed to drink and have parties since I was 12 years old. And so I was exposed to a lot of violence and drinking and partying at a very young age. And thankfully I started training martial arts around 13 and was also practicing music around the same time. And so uh, I, I used music and martial arts to kind of be my ticket out of this sort of uh, mental prison that I saw that my family was keeping themselves in. My mother and my father were a are and were on social assistance their whole lives and they struggled a lot financially and and emotionally in lots of other ways so martial arts and music were sort of a ticket out of that for me uh, by the time i was 17 i graduated high school but then a couple years later around 22 i was homeless sleeping on somebody's couch and it was around that time i watched the movie the secret and within a year of watching that movie, I went from being homeless to being a professional mixed martial arts fighter. So I took my martial arts background and applied it into a, a professional career. And so for the next eight years, I would compete 21 times all over Canada, sometimes for world championships or pay-per-view television and so on, main events. Now I'm just curious, did you get ever hurt while doing that? Yeah, yeah, lots of injuries, nothing really serious, but uh, I, I guess it depends on how you define serious, but I, I've had like uh, just some broken bones in my hands and feet and, and nose a couple of times, but I was really lucky. I didn't get any serious injuries that were life-threatening or uh, chronic, creating any chronic pain or anything like that. So I was really fortunate. And around the peak of my career in 2012, uh, be, just after I watched the movie The Secret, I went to Halifax for the very first mixed martial arts event, and I watched it in the very back seats 
uh, watching it, you know, the, the place was filled and I'm watching this, uh, this, this event happen in the Halifax Forum. Then six years later, I was actually competing in the same venue as the main event in the Halifax Forum. So six years later, my whole dream kind of came true and, and, uh, and I created this whole career from, again, from, I was, I was just, nobody knew who I was when I started. But at the peak of this career, I got knocked out really badly. I was out for almost two minutes straight. I got up and I did an interview with the post uh, fight announcer and then another interview outside of the ring and got wheeled out in an ambulance. And I don't remember any of that even to this day. Wow. But, so I lost a chunk of my life that I don't remember. And that kind of shook me up a little bit. I thought, huh. You had a you know, serious got, brain injury, traumatic brain injury. Yeah, yeah, serious injury. And, and then the worst part was after I was cleared by the doctor, we just went out to the after party afterwards. We didn't even think anything of it, my friends and I. So I didn't, I, I was really shaken up and I didn't, I realized suddenly that I could give this sport everything and still have it all taken away from me. No matter how hard I train, I could train harder than the other person. I could put more effort in, put more work in, and it could still all be taken away from me very easily. And that didn't sit well with me. So it was from that point forward in 2012 that uh, things started to shift for me. And I started to kind of move away from that career and realizing it, the reason I wanted to do it was to prove myself yeah. to myself. And I was really doing it for validation, doing it to create this identity uh, out of nothing instead of just being who I was because I, I, I didn't love myself. I wasn't, I wasn't uh, okay with myself, at peace with myself. So from 2012 forward, I, uh, around that time, my, my girlfriend broke up with me too and I had financial troubles and, and I went through all these different breakups and they all kind of seemed the same way. I would get really insecure or controlling or jealous at the, at the end of the relationship and I couldn't understand where these patterns were coming from. So I watched the movie The Secret again at the, in 2012 and when I watched it again, I thought, you know, 500 million people have watched this movie, so why are so many people still struggling? So I started researching everyone in the movies and I started looking into everything that they were reading and that they were studying and practicing like hypnotism or you know, quantum mechanics or emotional freedom technique or shamanism and went down this whole kind of rabbit hole and started devouring and consuming as much information as I could and learning as much as I could about this type of uh, type of stuff. And life started to really change for me. I started recognizing that my relationships with women were rooted in my mother uh, me being taken to foster care out of my mother's custody when I was when I was nine years old. So this whole traumatic, highly stimulating situation I had with my mother was still affecting my relationships as an adult. And I thought, how is this possible? I didn't even know anything about this idea of our childhood affecting our adult at this uh, adult life at this time. So that just opened me up in a way that I I just never expected. And I started really diving into this idea of our childhood affecting our adult years. So now fast forward till now, that was 2012. And so since 2012, I've opened a wellness center and started working with clients in nutrition, then moved into a deeper form of coaching. Uh, so I started working with these coaches from California who they don't really practice typical life coaching or business coaching where somebody gives advice or makes suggestions or gives you a template for how to lead your life. Uh, these coaches are a little more mystical. They they uh, they're very high paid coaches. They don't work. They only work with. Work with just curious. Well, I worked with a woman named Giovanna Capozza, okay. who works under the Rich Litvin Group. Rich Litvin wrote the book The Prosperous Coach. He's worked under Michael Neal and Steve Chandler and some of these other coaches. Yeah. And and so the idea is that these coaches believe that we all have a higher self, and that 
if I give you, Christine, advice in your life, then that's coming from my ego. That's not coming from your higher self. Right. So r- rather than giving you advice, I'll ask you a question and I'll hold space for you to figure it out for yourself. Mm-hmm. And if you can't figure it out, I'm not going to give it to you. I'm going to let you kind of struggle through until you figure it out. And then when you figure it out on your own, you become a leader instead of somebody else leading you. So they started teaching me this type of coaching and they mentored me for a couple of years uh, nine months, one-on-one every week. Did you and actually go to California or was it all online? I did twice. Yeah, I did twice. Uh, I went there twice, but most of it was through Zoom video like this and through telephone. Uh, it would be a, a conversation every week, 90 minutes to two hours long yeah. every week for uh, six months and then nine months in a group program with 10 others. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and then I continued the mentorship with a, a team of other coaches. So now it's been four or five different coaches I've worked with. And so when I started, I was struggling financially. I had a business go under. I was thousands of dollars in debt. I had more bill, more money in bills than I did income every month going out instead of coming in. And within one conversation with this coach, my life transformed. My income tripled, and I've never looked back. And, and I've continued to build my business and build my life ever since. But around the same time I started with those coaches, I went to Peru for the very first time and experienced a shamanic ayahuasca retreat. How, how did you get to that yes similar to the other situation where i started digging and learning how can i heal myself how can i heal my past and i I read that i experienced some shamanic ceremonies here in canada but nothing like ayahuasca so uh, a friend i've heard heard of it they use mushrooms and magic mushrooms and all that sure yeah there's lots of stuff around here you can experience ceremonies magic mushrooms or dimethyltryptamine uh, dmt which is like a crystal not the ayahuasca version Mm -hmm or uh, sometimes even cannabis can be used as a powerful ceremonial medicine. Ayahuasca is sort of like the queen of all the medicines, or the the king or the queen, but the queen because it's a feminine energy. Uh, So I went to Peru and I created a relationship with the family that owned the retreat center there. And I told them, listen, I have so much respect for what you're doing. I would love to be able to bring clients here. And you know, how can we connect with each other? And they said, well, why don't you come here for free and stay with us and we'll put you through three ceremonies and then you know, we'll, we can talk afterwards. So I went there in, in May of 2016 and I experienced these three ayahuasca retreats and they were totally life-changing beyond anything I'd ever experienced. And so five months what, later, I went what back What was the again. main change? I'm just curious. What was the main yeah, change? Yeah, so, so uh, basically in the first ceremony, nothing happened. I didn't, well, that's not true. I had one statement come to me, which I'll tell you in a moment. But other than that, pretty much nothing happened. I read online about all these crazy things that happen with ayahuasca. You know, you're purging and you have all this deep healing. And I just came off of a 21 fight mixed martial arts career. So I was kind of expecting something really extreme and really intense. And in the first ceremony, nothing happened except these words, nurture the roots, came across my consciousness. And I didn't understand it at that time. It took me years to understand it. But I just laid there basically for six hours and I was thinking to myself, did I get ripped off? Like, are these people lying to me? What's going on here? Yeah. So the next day we got up and we t- I told the shaman, uh, you know, the, or the translator for the shaman, uh, you know, I came and, and I really expected a lot more and it wasn't what I was what I was looking for. And so the organizer, his name's on Helen. He's now a very, very good friend of mine. Uh, he translated for the organizer and then, or for the shaman. And then the shaman said, you know, sometimes mother ayahuasca doesn't give you what you want, but she gives you what you need. She was preparing you for tonight's ceremony, but it's very important that you use respectful words when you speak of Mother Ayahuasca. Mm-hmm. So I was like, yeah, whatever. I, didn't, I was just very arrogant at the time. I didn't really know what I was, I was ignorant as well. So I, I went and I wrote a letter to Mother Ayahuasca 
and it was like, you know, I came here for something spectacular. I expected more. And, and I went up to the mountain and I buried it in the mountain. And so that night in the ceremony, I bet you it wasn't 10 minutes before I was throwing up, throwing up, throwing up and purging. And all of these beings were around me and they were saying, you know, you better surrender on your hands and knees right now or else this is going to get ugly. You know, you better just get on your hands and knees and surrender. All these beings were all around me. And so I get, a, I'm in the, the Maloka, the hut where we're doing the ceremony and I get on my hands and knees and I'm just praying. I'm saying, I surrender, I surrender, I surrender. Oops. And so from that point forward, uh, suddenly my body started shifting and morphing and, and there was a voice speaking in my ear and I knew it to be the creator and creator was saying, uh, look at you, look at what you are. And, and I looked down and, and I was all minerals and rock. And I recognized that in that moment, I was the stuff that happened right after the big bang. You know, I was just minerals and rock. And then I started to evolve into soil and vegetation and then from vegetation into reptilian kind of creatures and, and, and then into primates and then into humans. And I continued to evolve from there. And God or creator kept saying to me, do you see, do you see, you've been here from the beginning. This, this life, this life of yours is just one of the steps along the way. You, you're, you're, you're part of this creation. You are this consciousness, you are everything. And, and you're just experiencing this life you're having right now as sort of a small fraction of what you really are. Yeah. And so there are a lot of things that were happening in that ceremony. And, and one of the one of the most profound things is all these angels were around me and they were putting their hands on me and they were saying you have to learn to heal yourself before you can walk amongst the angels now the interesting thing about that is the organizer i told you about his name is angel and his father's name is angel and they're the owners of the retreat center and they're yeah. both shamans wow. so they've been shamans for 30 <laughs> generations of shamans of inca shamans and, and so it's really i didn't know much didn't think much of it at the time so five months later i went back again i brought a whole group of clients with me and in a similar situation the first ceremony not much happened so the morning of the of the second ceremony when we were doing our reflection after the first one I it was now Angel's younger brother Teddy the organizer also part of the family and I said to Teddy you know I'd like to have enough ayahuasca so I never have to do it ever again and so he said okay sure we'll we'll give you enough ayahuasca so you never have to do it again and so when I went to the uh to the Maloka and they passed started passing out the the ayahuasca they gave everyone about this much and they gave me about this much so that they filled wow. the cup all the way to the top and i everyone kind of gasped and i kind of gasped i think wow is this really what i'm getting myself into here so i drank it and and in this ceremony it was by far the most profound experience i've ever had in my whole life and the first thing that happened was i ricky goodall disappeared I was no longer Ricky Goodall anymore. I wasn't, I didn't have a body. I wasn't aware of my surroundings. I didn't know I was in a Maloka or taking ayahuasca or that I was in Peru. I didn't know any of these things. It was in total blackness. And I thought I'd died and gone to hell. I thought I was, I was gone. I was in the infinite blackness forever. And I was so scared. Where am I? Where am I? Where am I? There was no response. It was just in total blackness. And I was terrified. And so I just kept begging and pleading, where am I? What is this? Where am I? Finally, a voice responds and says, what's wrong? And it was a feminine voice, and I knew it to be Mother Ayahuasca. She says, what's wrong? What's wrong? I said, what is this? Where am I? She says, what's wrong? I thought you wanted to know what it feels like to be God. I thought you wanted to know what it feels like to be the creator. So don't you recognize that this level of your consciousness, you're all there is. There's nothing else for you to experience here. You're the only thing there is at this level of your awareness. There's nothing for you to be in relationship with. 
there's nothing for you to experience outside of yourself. So don't you recognize this life you've created as Ricky Goodall is the vacation you've given yourself to get away from being all there is. Mm-hmm. Don't you recognize all the suffering you experienced in your life is nothing compared to the infinite nothingness you experience here. You chose your whole life and all your suffering and all your pleasure. You chose it all as a vacation away from being what, it know, what knowing what it means to be infinite. So don't you recognize the ancient people never bow down out of fear of their creator. They bow down out of compassion. Thank you for this gift of life, of separation, of relationship, of duality, because without it, we're all there is. And so the, 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 the trip continued to the journey continued to kind of evolve from there. And she started showing me the six pointed star, the star of David or the seal of Solomon and started saying, yeah, go, go study these ancient systems go study hebrew go study egyptian go study hinduism and Taoism. study these systems because you're going to present a teaching that's going to kind of bring these systems together and help people understand them in a different way she said you're going to start a religion and bring ayahuasca to canada and that was that was another one of the big like visions i was like well, i don't really know what that means and and, and then some more, you know, you're going to visit ancient sites, you're going to visit Machu Picchu, you're going to visit Chichen Itza, you're going to visit the Pyramids of Giza, you're going to go to all these places, and, and you're going to go kind of experience all these things and learn from all these different wisdom healers and shamans and teachers. And I, I was just pro- was profoundly moved by the experience, obviously, and I was throwing up so much. It, it got so bad, the, the vomiting, that they actually had to give me a gravel needle to stop me from vomiting because they were afraid I was going to damage my vocal cords. So it was pretty, and it was diarrhea at the same time. So it was pretty intense. And uh, while we were in Peru that time with that group, we also went to Sexy Woman with a researcher and uh, ancient human history researcher who says that, you know, Sexy Woman could be 30,000 years old or even older. There are rocks so big at Sexy Woman, they're up to 300 tons from a rock quarry 45 kilometers away. They have no idea how they got them there, up a hill, up a mountain. And these rocks are cut so perfectly that there are rocks around and above and, and on each side with no mortar that have stood for thousands of years and have never fallen down. No earthquakes, no tsunamis, nothing I've ever. I heard of that. Yeah. It's incredible. So he's taking us around and showing us all of these places. And then we went to Machu Picchu with a shaman and, and that was really interesting as well. So when I got home about two weeks later, I talked to a lawyer for my business and he says, hey, I noticed you were in Peru recently. I said, yeah. He's like, oh, were you, were you there for ayahuasca? And I said, yeah, I was. He said, hey, did you know that you can register a, a legal religion and you can bring ayahuasca to Canada? The same thing that Mother Ayahuasca said to me. So I did that. I registered a religion. I brought the shaman angel, the one I told you about earlier. I brought him to Canada twice. We've led ayahuasca retreats here in Nova Scotia twice so far. Uh, we've none planned right now but with everything happening, but we've done a couple and they were really successful. And then finally, in August of 2018, I went back to Peru for a third time and went to the same retreat center, worked with the same family. And this time in my first ayahuasca ceremony, a lot happened and uh, nothing really intense. Actually, it was just, it was beautiful. And Mother Ayahuasca kept saying to me, you did all the work. You, you don't, there's nothing deep for you here. You're not going to go through any struggles or any, any challenges here. You just have to surrender into what you are. So the next morning I told the shaman, my my, my story. And he said, yes, Mother Ayahuasca told me to tell you that you're a shaman and that you're a doctor, you're a healer, and you're meant to be doing this work with other people. So since October of 2016 until now, I've probably performed three or 400 
plant medicine ceremonies with people from all over the world. I've been to different places and, and have sat with the shamans who have mentored me and have done work with them beside them as a shaman. And, uh, and now I've been doing it kind of all over Nova Scotia as well. And with, with travel bans, only Nova Scotia right now, but sometimes yeah. places, other places as well. That is a really fascinating story. Where do you get those plant substances from? Because they certainly not all of them grow in Nova Scotia. Yeah, so I mean, there are there, most of the plants are not legal in Canada. It's not legal to actually own the plants in their medicinal form. So in other words, yeah. you can have ayahuasca vine and you can have chacruna leaves, but as soon as you mix them together and create ayahuasca, now it becomes an illegal substance. Yeah. You can, you can have magic mushrooms, but as soon as you dry them, they become illegal, uh, illegal substance. Doesn't uh, make much DM sense. Well, I mean, it's like, it's yeah. just, I guess it's just, it's just where we're at right now, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it is changing. There are loopholes, obviously. So uh, a lot of people, myself included, would complain about the legal, you know, oh, they're holding us back. And, you know, we're, why are we not, why are we not able to use these things? Actually, we are able to use them. We just yeah. need to figure out the legal loopholes. Right. So right. in some cases it's legal to possess it. It's just not legal to sell it or to buy it. In right. some cases it's legal to take it, but it's just not legal to, to sell it or buy it. Okay. Uh, like again, mushrooms, you can go out and you can find them in fields sometimes, yeah. you know, you can find magic mushrooms. You can pick a handful of mushrooms and they're fine, but as soon as they're dried, so it's, it's really, I think, I think more than anything, the laws are to prevent, uh, well, the, the government doesn't make money on people who sell these things. So I'm sure it's a, a tax thing. They can't really tax illegal drugs. So I'm sure that's a big reason why they're still illegal. I think another reason is safety. I mean, some of these medicines, like with ayahuasca, I mean, if you drink coffee or take antidepressants, you can die from taking ayahuasca. You know, you can have brain issues and serotonin. They have uh, to know what you're doing. I heard about. You gotta know your stuff. Yeah, dangerous. Yes. Yeah, yeah, but uh, that doesn't mean they should be totally banned. I don't no, think. I think no, no, no. Maybe, maybe regulated, or maybe, yeah. maybe you know, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, and and I don't think uh, that uh, there's many that perform those ceremonies. At least not in Nova Scotia. I don't know of anybody else. I think I, I know of one other couple that does ayahuasca. I've heard really great. Yeah. Uh, great stuff about their work but I don't really know anyone else okay and uh in terms I mean if I'm honest I I, lo I loved the opportunity of being able to provide space for people here to experience ayahuasca yeah. it was great to bring uh, a, an authentic shaman from you know his family's from the Amazon uh, I didn't lead the ayahuasca ceremonies I'll lead other ceremonies for people but not specifically ayahuasca the uh, my shaman tells me that ayahuasca is like a 747 airplane wow. uh, only a pilot who's trained to fly the airplane should fly the airplane. Sure, yeah. anyone can jump in the passenger seat, but that doesn't mean they're equipped to fly the airplane. Right. So I haven't been trained in the indigenous practices. Okay. They take 20, yeah. 20 years to learn yeah. fully. Yeah. And so I don't use, I don't personally perform the ayahuasca ceremonies, but, uh, but even people doing uh, psilocybin ceremonies, there's not a lot of people doing that work either. That's true, yeah, so that, that's quite amazing. Uh, how do people that want to contact you contact you and what exactly do you do for them yeah so actually i've got two interesting things on the go right now so one is just my own personal work rickygoodall.com i'm a musician or performer speaker coach shaman uh but i've got this other really interesting projects launching just in a probably in two weeks called the tribe and basically the tribe is a space for free thinkers and thought leaders and high achievers who 
who don't really fit into the status quo and they want to have somewhere where they can discover and become who they really are, become their authentic selves. And so we've been testing this out for the last month with a 20, 20 or 25 people from all over the world. And basically what we do is we meet once a week online through Zoom, just like this, and we play authentic relating games one week. So a game where you and I just talk for three to five minutes playing a specific type of relationship game and where you maybe you ask me questions for three minutes, any questions you want, and I just answer, and then we switch. Yeah. And then I'll put you with somebody brand new who you've never, never met before. And for two hours, we'll just engage that way. So that might be one week. Then the next week might be what we call an inspiration intensive, where we're doing really deep coaching, helping you discover what's going to make you most happy in life, what your biggest dreams are, what's, what relationships need to be healed, perhaps. And we'll do that in a group setting. And so we do these events every week. There's an online app. There's a whole kind of community. We've got some business accelerator events. We've got some like socializing events where 50 people just show up and I pair you with somebody you never met. And for 15 minutes, you have a conversation. Yeah. And then you go to somebody, somebody new and then somebody new and somebody new. So this, this uh, uh, organization is called The Tribe. And the whole purpose is to elevate communities, to create more authentic connections and relationships between people and to help people develop more compassionate families and, and communities for for them, themselves and those around them. And so that's the tribe.me.me, the tribe.me. That launches in on August 31st. And uh, we're really excited about that because it's not just an online thing. We're, get, we're doing it out in the world as yeah. well. But where we're online, we can reach so many more people. We can bring people together. And I just realized that a lot of free thinkers and people that are go against the status quo, they don't really feel like they have a tribe or a community or a network of friends that they can really be themselves. Yeah, they, they, they feel Facebook, lonely. Facebook is censored. Uh, YouTube is censored. All the big yeah. social medias are all censorship. Right. So we wanted to create somewhere where not only are you not censored, but you're encouraged to be who mm. you really are, encouraged to shine as brightly as you want to shine. You know, some people, uh, if they're big, big, bright lights, they kind of sometimes the people around them get triggered by that. Or, you know, maybe they 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 try to bring them down or they big light sometimes dim their shine for the people around them because they don't want to, uh, you know, just to make other people feel bad or whatever. So this is kind of a space where they can come and be themselves. They can come and shine as brightly as they want to shine and be as different as they want to be. And, uh, and we encourage them that to share their successes. I find, especially here in the Maritimes that, and this might be just my own judgment, but I sometimes find that it's e easier for us to relate from our, with our suffering than it is to relate with our successes. Yeah. And, you know, we're so encouraged as a society, like, oh, don't talk about your successes, but it's okay to talk about your failures and your struggles. And so all we end up doing is perpetuating Complain. more failure, more struggle, more suffering. Complain. Whereas if we were, yeah, and if we, if we surrounded ourselves with people who are okay with sharing their own successes and giving you space to share your successes, I then am. we're focused more on the optimistic and the positive and the enthusiastic. And then we kind of change everything around us. I believe that our external world is a reflection of our internal world. Yeah. And Absolutely. so if we can, yeah, when we surround ourselves with like-minded people, then we just create more of that for ourselves. And that is actually a proven status and it is it is and it's wonderful to have talked with you ricky thank you so much and mm -hmm. i'll share all those links underneath the video and in the podcast description and i encourage everybody that wants to get in touch with you go to the website become a member of the tribe fascinating thank you so mm -hmm. much thank you and this is the end of your quality of life healthy alternatives and tune in for the next episode bye bye